Welcome to the Future of Business Finance podcast, where we talk to finance industry leaders and experts in their various fields about the major challenges they are facing in today's business environment. Managing finance in today's economy requires finance decision makers to juggle the need to future-proof their function by leveraging data and technology, grow in a cost-efficient manner, and navigate uncertainty when it arises. Organizations must remain agile and be open to embrace new ideas to overcome internal or external barriers to success. I'm Carl Jones, your host for today's podcast. It is my pleasure to introduce today's speaker, Timothy Williams, CFO at FCM Solutions, one of the world's largest corporate travel agencies. Hi there, Tim. Hey, Carl. This is exciting. I'm very excited. I feel like I'm on the Joe Rogan experience. It's amazing. So uh, It's going to be a good conversation, I'm is. sure. It's definitely going to be a good conversation. So, so for, for the listeners out there, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and, and a little bit about your background, how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so I'm uh, the CFO for at FCM Solutions here in Asia. Um, been with them for two and a half years. Uh, it's you know been living in Singapore for well, almost nine years. Uh, so uh, before that, I was in financial services most of my life. Had a mul- multitude of different different roles. I've been a CFO, a COO, a CEO, a head of strategy. So love to just juggle it all up. Um, but I think it, it, it's unique. It makes me uh, makes me who I am. And so looking forward to sharing a few things and uh, seeing what discussion we can get out of. Absolutely. Okay. Well, let's let's kick it off then. So, so let's open up with a with a question around innovative thinking. So, when we think about innovative thinking, how would you sort of define that, um, and how critical is innovative thinking for you to the success of the finance function? So, I think um, <clears throat> it, it's key. If you think about the modern finance world today, the ability to think creatively, think broad-based, be agile in what you're trying to do, um, it allows us to it allows us to be better at managing uncertainty. Um, and I think if you, you know, anyone who's blind would know that we've been through a lot of uncertainty recently. But if you go back, I mean, you, you can look back at you know other economic cycles and moves and you know movements in you know political situations and so forth. And I think it's absolutely key to remain agile, but it's also key to be innovative. If you're not innovative, you miss opportunities. If you're not agile, you won't have the, the time or the, the capability to hit those, uh, you know, to go and get those opportunities. And, and that's why it's absolutely critical uh, for you know, CFOs um, and, and other finance leaders to, to really be thinking that way. Um, and I think from a respect aspect as well with their, with their commercial peers in the business, their salespeople, their account managers and everyone, the marketing guys, everyone loves the marketing guys. I know I do. Um, but, but I think if it really, it really allows them to embrace and become integrated into the business, um, and to be seen and earn the respect to be seen as a key decision, decision maker and a key contributor to, you know, to the overall success to the business. I'm I'm curious because obviously with with the last eighteen months and and, and COVID nineteen being such a challenge to the travel category in particular, you know how have how have you found FCM solutions to try and approach that agility factor to try and meet some of the headwinds that that you faced? Headwinds <laughs> in the travel industry? Are you sure? In the last eighteen months, <laughs> I thought we've been a booming success. No. Um, 
Look, for, for us as a business, we were we made some very tough decisions very, very quickly. Um, and I think as a leadership group, um, and that that wasn't just a finance leadership group, but but people look to the finance leader of that group to to obviously be, you know, I don't want to say crunching numbers because I, I'm going to be really honest because this is going to destroy the theory of all CFOs on the planet, but most CFOs don't crunch the numbers. Most CFOs get someone to crunch the numbers and then they uh, interpret them with it and then they work in making those strategic decisions for the business, but being agile, being very quick. And, and also we touched back on innovative that you were talking about um, before in a second, but the ability to stabilize the business during that time as quickly as possible um, to give yourself the runway, it allows the the noise, let's say that the temperature in the, in the boiler room to come down, which ultimately allows for better decision-making in the long run. Um, and especially when you think about the pandemic that's gone on, no one had any idea. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people saw that. I think a lot of people thought it would be over in three months, six months, nine months. Um, but I think if you get a stability in the business, that that's really key. Um, and then when you come back to the innovative thinking and the agility, from there, you start to find opportunities. You can start to be much more you know, succinct in what you're looking at. You can start to find leakage a lot better um, with a good data and analytics strategy encompassing that. I, I think that gives you the opportunity to find the bits that you didn't have before. There is one silver lining to the pandemic. And I do say one, cause there's not many. Um, but, but the reality is that a lot of once those that could stabilize their businesses quicker than anyone else, they didn't exactly have business. So they had a lot more time to become much more targeted because they were able to start to look at the different things that they that they could have. Now, I'd say people that weren't as good at stabilizing their business were still sort of spinning their wheels six months down the track, nine months down the track, which reduced the amount of time that they had to go and seek opportunities that were in the market. And I think it's it's really key that strong, especially commercially minded leaders, uh, finance leaders are, are key to being able to do that. It was interesting because I think from from our perspective, what we've found through the pandemic is some companies have really embraced that opportunity to your point to try and automate or to take this take advantage of the lull to try and make those changes while being challenged maybe sometimes on headcount um, and the ability to deploy, but taking that opportunity to actually say, okay, let's, let's use this. We, we now don't want to move. We want to look to the future. Where do we want to be from an automation point of view, from a staff deployment point of view, and just making sure then that they, they were able to uh, digitize um, their business. So we certainly found that from, from our perspective as well. Yeah. I think actually touching on that. One of the things I find really key, and I've spoken to other leaders, business leaders around the, you know, actually around the world, not just just here in Asia, but we were on a journey before COVID, and that journey was to be far more automated. You know, we were going through a transformation, trying to increase productivity significantly, utilizing the gains that we got from that to bring new products to the market, um, be better with our client base and understanding what their needs are. And I mean, look, we're, I mean, you, you've come from this side, this side of the house before in your life as well, but it's always been very traditional. And I think when you look at what FCM's doing, it's not traditional. Um, it's taking the high quality service that it has. And then what it's doing is trying to do, to bring new technology into the play. And all of this was a journey that was, it was already happening. Um, we were already doing this in Asia. We were doing this around the world. There are a lot of other companies out there where, I think they used COVID as an opportunity to stop and say, oh, hey, let's reevaluate our business. Let's look at transformation and so forth. 
And ultimately, you, you have to question whether how successful they're going to be with that because they probably didn't have the mindset before. So the so yes, they were kind of forced into doing this. Are they going to have the mindset to come out of this? And I, so I think you know, at least from our perspective, because we already had the mindset going in, it was just a it was just a continuation of our business and what we were trying to achieve. Our long term strategies haven't changed. Our long term goals for our customers hadn't changed. Um, so I think from a business perspective, it was really about establishing that baseline and then. You know, I, I don't want to say going to hibernation because we didn't do that. We still had to service customers and you know, there was still travel going on. Um, but it really gave us that opportunity to evolve into, you know, even even accelerate some of the evolution that we were looking to do um, during the during the period. Yeah. And, and just on that as well, I mean, I know you're very excited about your expansion into Japan, uh, which will go formally live uh, next year, I believe, next January, sort of expectation. So, um, what's your perspective on? I mean, Japan is traditionally seen as a very uh, mature, um, process orientated market, particularly in the travel sector, receipts, hand delivered, um, white glove service being um, predominant. Can you talk a little bit about you know how you're seeing that innovative factor and the role that FCM will bring to to Japan's transformation? Because things are transforming up there, of course. Yeah, they're very rigid in Japan. Right, they're not happy when your train doesn't arrive or arrives one minute late. Um, someone pays the price. But uh, I, I think, I th- yeah, look, I think um, the market is ready for that disruption. I mean, we, we're working with a fantastic partner up there um, at the moment. We've it's been a journey for us um, to, to where we are today. Um, it's it's not, uh, you know, it's definitely a market. Um, look, it's the fourth biggest travel market, corporate travel market in the world. I mean, you, you need to be there. Um, we know our customer base very well there. Um, we do understand the market and, you know, I think it is ripe for change. There is a lot of dynamic change going on in the industry as a whole, not just the the travel management sector. It, it's you know broader into the aviation sector, into the, the you know into the the rail sector, which is obviously very big. Um, the you know I think when you look at Japan, it's it's as an economic powerhouse, it's still very very strong. I mean, it's it's one of the largest in the world. Um, but there's a lot of different factors at play there. And they're, they're, a, they're a business which does value service very highly. Um, but you've also got a bit of a changing there. You've got a big change there where people are much more tech tech savvy when they look at their how to better manage their travel program and what they expect from it and how they can adapt to that change. And, and so I think, look, I think what, what we bring as an organization, um, especially with our global platforms and so forth um the fact that you know our global footprint really allows us the opportunity to um you know to access that market you know in a, in a positive way right fantastic um just going back to the the, the concept of, of agility and so on do you, do you think that organizations with our agile finance leaders have performed better than their peers during the pandemic and and, and if, if you do why, why is that it's a very good question because um, I think most people tend to – actually, I'm going to throw this out there. You should ask me this towards the end, but my most hated statement I ever hear, and uh, you know, if you, if, I'm sure a few of my colleagues when they – of course, they'll be downloading this like crazy. Oh, yeah, the internet yeah. will stop. Exactly. The internet will stop. I mean, they might have to go to internet 3.0 because, <laughs> because of this podcast. But, um, <clears throat> you know, they always laugh about this. But I, I think t- – the amount of times that people say or I hear, 
you know, oh, it's the, you know, hi, this is the CFO. Oh, here's the numbers guy. He's going to tell me I can't spend is insanity. Um, well, maybe it's just me. I love spending. I love spending all the time. Um, but you, you spend on the right thing. Um, and I, to me, CFOs who are commercially minded, um, are always going to win out. They will always win out in any situation, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's not, um, because they are the ones who are always, they will have their eye to the future state of the business. Um, but they will also realize what, where they are today. And so they will be doing everything you can ever imagine to stabilize that business as quickly as possible so they can get out of that and start focusing on where they want to go in the future. Um, good, strong finance leaders, are good, strong leaders in general. I should say finance leaders because it's just a, you know, all CFOs, all they are are leaders really um, with a fancy title that everyone seems to love. Um, but, but they're leaders and, businesses which have a leadership, you know, leaders who are all focused on a common goal and that goal doesn't shift are always going to be successful. And if you have a commercially minded CFO, they're going to be focused on that end goal. I mean, let's be honest, no one's focused on zero growth longer term. And if they are, then I'd love to know what business that is. Cause yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They're not going to be there, there for much longer. I would have yeah. thought. And, and do you think that the role of the CFO has evolved over time then into this more commercially focused role or? I think there is. I think there's a, I think these days, and, and look, it's, it's shifted around the world. Unfortunately for me, I've worked all over the world, right? I mean, we've, we've spoken before. I've, I've worked in the US, in the Middle East, in Australia with my lovely Australian accent, um, in the UK, um, you know, and here in Asia. And I grew up here in Asia. Um, but it, it, I think different regions have grown at different paces. There has been this historical view that the CFO is there to make sure that the finance, you know, the financial accounting's been done properly, that my statutory accounts are stamped and signed and wonderful. And let's be honest, auditors try to find every way they can not to sign them so they can get a little bit more fee. But that's why we hello all the auditors out there. Um, but but I th- the demands on the CFO, let's say, um, that's why I try to come back to this leadership piece because similar, a CMO is just a leader, you know, a, a CTO is just a leader, a CEO is just a leader. He just gets paid more than anyone else, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, but the demands on each of those, and it's no different to CFOs, the demands are different. The demands are that they are there to drive the business forward. They are to give the greatest return on investment to the shareholders or the owners of the company, depending on how, what the company is. It's possible. That is the goal. That is the ultimate goal. Um, to do that, they all need to be aligned and they all need to be driving to a common goal. And <clears throat> a CFO who is just a bookkeeper, you look, that, not to say bookkeeping is not an important role, not to say that preparing statutory accounts and signing them off isn't an important role, but those things are highly automated up to a point these days. And so a CFO should be spending most of their time on helping the business think about what's next, how are they going to, you know, what are we going to do to hit the next you know, the next thing, are we in the right products? Um, which products are, you know, need to fall away and which ones, you know, they need to have an eye on what is the future. Um, and they need to have a voice. And I think that's absolutely critical in, in, you know, in, in today. Mm. I'm curious to get your thoughts on, um, the shift to cloud and cloud infrastructure 
um, and 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 some of your experiences perhaps on that. Um, when we when we work with organisations who are making that move to the cloud, we obviously try and support and and help them through that journey. What what, what is your what is your advice to to, to organisations who are looking at uh, perhaps embracing cloud? Um, you know, what are the maybe the pitfalls that they they should avoid, or you know, some of the thoughts that uh, you know you would give to them? Yeah, look, change management's one of the hardest things no matter what you do, whether it's a shift to the cloud, whether it's organizational change. I mean, ultimately shifting to the cloud is, is in effect a level of organizational change. I mean, that's, that's what it is. Um, and the one bit of advice I always give to people um, is, is to not be scared of change. Um, and, and that is very hard. And we, I think I, 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 I've done a lot of change in my life. Um, it's, it's one of my core things um, is transformation and, you know, lean operating models and so forth is I've done a lot of that stuff. And I think it's, it's very hard because there's an emotive side that's involved with that in, in that with people, um, from a business perspective, engagement with the technology from both the cloud provider and, you know, your own it department. And, and even when you get down to change management, there's even change management in your it department, because for a lot of people who are in that department, they may have no experience with cloud. And so it's a big step for them. And so trying to make sure that you're ready as an organization to do that is probably the biggest advice. It's high levels of communication, um, getting people to understand why you're doing the change, how it benefits the organization um, and how it benefits them. And, and a bit of advice I always give to, to my leaders um, and generally just to leaders I talk to around, you know, I'd say around the different discussions that I have is People will be naturally defensive against what's coming. And so what you need to do with those with those people is get them to see the positivity that's coming out of it. Um, you'd be surprised how many people have doom and gloom. It's a lot of people. Um, but if you can talk them through and help them to understand why it's better for the organization and why it then opens up opportunities for them, um, you know, you're going to get a much, much better response. Mm. I agree. We are running out of time. So I just want to ask you one final question, which is around a subject I know that you're interested in, which is analytics and the role of analytics in particularly in the finance function. Um, I know that we've talked before around, you know, the, the focus you have in your organization and your responsibility around data and analytics as well. How, how have you been able, do you think, to drive analytics to help your business any any thoughts or, or guidance you could give to other finance leaders around that finance leaders or any leaders so <laughs> the first one for the non-finance leader well actually it's for all for any person here um, analytics doesn't work by pressing a button and then outspits analytics it doesn't work that way um, for anyone that does or thinks it does then I'm, I'm sorry but there's a little bit more to it um, but from an analytics perspective, the ability to understand the different drivers across your business is absolutely key. And look, most systems today, I would say, have the ability to give you the the general, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the the general KPIs and so forth that you want. But it's not that; it's it's going deeper. And I think dovetailing, you know, what happens in the more of the data science, data and analytics space um, into what's happening from an FP&A 
for example, space or other parts of the finance organization um, allows you to find gaps and leakage um, that you, you know, you just couldn't do before. Um, individuals can do a lot, um, but I'm telling you, computers can do a lot more. Um, the ability to take advanced analytics and identify opportunities is is definitely something that helps to drive the organization forward in a better way. Um, and so the ability to bring those together and embrace them as one is is absolutely key to the success of the business. That's great. That's that's a great subject to end on. So thank you very much. Not a problem. Thanks, Carl. Today's podcast was with Timothy Williams, CFO at FCM Solutions. Catch the next episode of this exciting podcast series where I speak with Fang Yu Lin, sustainability and climate change practice leader at PwC, on how travel sustainability looks like in today's climate. My name is Carl Jones, and I look forward to speaking with you again soon on the future of business finance. <laughs>